Welcome to How the Guest Was Won, Tales from the Trails for Vacation Rental Pioneers. This is your host, Andy Medic, CEO of Stay Attention, former CEO of my own vacation rental management company, Sea Change Vacation Rentals, and most importantly, guest. To thrive as an operator in the wild west of today's vacation rental industry, you must get focused and clear on your brand and revenue strategy. In this podcast, through stories from our businesses and our experience as guests, we'll explore the concepts, challenges, and common obstacles encountered while building vacation rental hospitality brands, regardless of scale. Vacation Home Pioneers, bring your voices, your stories, and join me on the trails as together we tell the true story of how the guest was won. Welcome to episode three. On this episode, things are getting heated. We're joined by two new friends, and right away they square off together in a sparring match. We're lacing up our gloves, mixing our metaphors, and getting ready for a high-stakes match, product versus brands, a major league event. We'll explore the difference between a product and a brand, pose questions to consider in your own business, as you ponder if you provide a product or if you have a hospitality brand. We'll even get into the difference between marketing and branding and take a peek at defining a brand strategy. But first, a quick reminder, if you've not already listened to all your episodes, including our preview episode, I urge you to go back and listen since our seasons run as a complete series and I would be sad for you to miss out. All good? Saddle up then, and let's hop right back on the trail. We'll chat as we ride. We're joined on today's trail by two conversational partners, brothers, Paulie Products and Billy the Kid Brands. This pair of guys, they love and hate each other with equal passion. Let's see if we can slow their usual frenetic gallop down to a pleasant amble while we pick their brains on this beautiful day in Frontierland. So, Vacation Rental Partners, here's a few questions to consider as we head out on the trails today. Firstly, do you have a vacation rental product or do you have a vacation rental brand? Do you know the difference between a product and a brand? Secondly, what are you doing to market your vacation rental company and how does that affect your vacation rental brand? Do you know the difference between marketing and branding? So let's look at the first question first. Makes sense, right? We'll let Paulie Products and Billy the Kid Brands set this up for us by introducing themselves. Paulie Products, over to you. A product is something physical that a company manufactures or a service they provide. The company owns the product or service. A customer purchases a product or service. That's what I'm talking about. Billy the Kid Brands, what do you say? A brand exists only in the mind of the customer. It is the expectation and experience of the product and its position in the customer's mind. Many people argue that the customer owns the brand. I tend to disagree with this. I think it's possible through careful strategy to curate the perception of the brand in the mind of the customer. 
Some people think a brand is unimportant, silly, fluffy nonsense, or just for big companies with deep pockets. Oh, yeah. Them's fighting words for sure. Thanks, Bose. So, Paulie, what about a commodity product? You're asking about my cousin, Connie Commodity Products? She's just a product through marriage. A commodity cannot be a product in and of itself, since a commodity is a raw material used in the production of an end product. A product is a finished good that is sold to consumers. No value is added to a commodity. Poor Connie Commodity. She had to marry into the product family. Why then do we hear talk of commodity products? It's really a way of explaining that an end product is so little differentiated from other versions of it on the market that a consumer thinks of it as a commodity. Bobby Butter, for example, Connie Commodity's aunt from Hoboken. She could be considered a commodity product. You see, though, Bobby, like Connie, is only related to poorly products through marriage into the product family. It's the milk used to manufacture butter that's the true commodity. Bobby Butter, then, is the end product, not the commodity. However, butter is so widely available from so many manufacturers that without differentiation on the manufacturer's part, the consumer buys on price alone. A purchase decision based purely on price means the product has no added value in the consumer's mind than other versions of the product sold elsewhere at a higher price. The consumer sees all butter as a commodity unless you start adding value-add, such as grass-fed, organic, or focus your marketing on the family farms that provide the milk. Let's pause our ride for a moment to consider the difference between marketing and branding. Isn't branding part of marketing? Experts say that branding and marketing may sit in the same company function, but they have separate aims. (laughs) Okay, you in the back, I can practically hear you rolling your eyes. Stay with me here. Let's bring in two other cheerful members of our fighting company family, Sister Margie Marketing and Uncle Bernie Brand Strategy. Margie Marketing agrees with what experts say. Marketing is product-based. It's a tactical, quantity-based activity. Since we already stated that a service is also a product, then going forward when we say product, we're also including value-add services. Margie Marketing addresses the technique of promotions, sales, and distribution of the product, how to get as much product into as many customers' hands as possible. Then I read just yesterday that one expert considers all of the above sales activity. Marketing, this expert says, is about positioning your product in the mind of the customer so that when they're ready to buy, they think of you. I guess it comes down to what you consider to be technique or tactic versus the activity of buying. Hold that thought on positioning. I'm going to come back to it later. Branding, according to experts, is perception-based. And if you've been paying attention, no surprise then that branding can also be further broken down into subcomponents of brand identity brand purpose, and brand strategy. More relatives from this very fertile family. A brand is incomplete and fails to reach its audience if it does not include brand purpose, brand identity, brand strategy, and brand positioning. 
Brand purpose is a brand's reason for going beyond making money, a framework that guides business decisions and thought processes, a lens through which a business sees the world and informs decision-making. Brand purpose connects with customers on an emotional level. Brand purpose differentiates you from other similar businesses. Brand purpose is the driving motivation behind your business. It's your why driving your what, when, where, how, and whom. Gee whiz! Here's an example of my brand purpose from my own vacation home management company, Sea Change Vacation Rentals. Given the Wild West frontier of vacation rentals lacking common standards of professional management, Sea Change Vacation Rentals exists to build guest trust by establishing our own standards to exceed guest expectations for their vacation experience. Guests deserve better than gambling their vacations each time they book a vacation rental. Happy guests will deliver more revenue from better maintained properties to happier owners. Next up is brand identity. Brand identity brings the components that most people consider as branding. How your business appears to your customers. Your logo, font type, brand colors, website design, images, marketing materials, and even staff uniforms. To this, I would also add product design and how your staff communicates with customers. Property furnishings, linen quality, chores assigned to guests, words, tone, facial expressions, all matter to brand identity. We're fortunate enough to have Uncle Bernie Brand Strategy with us on the ride today. Uncle Bernie Brand Strategy brings an intentional, actionable plan that helps a business reach long-term goals. He focuses on the what, when, where, how, and to whom you communicate your brand message. What about brand positioning then? Betty Brand Positioning is Uncle Bernie's best friend since childhood. They live next door to each other and have been so close since childhood that they grew up like siblings, members of the same family. Betty Brand Positioning is that beloved family friend that you call Auntie. Sadly, since Auntie Betty Brand Positioning is not related by blood, while she's most important to Brandon, she's often frequently overlooked by most business families. According to Auntie Betty Brand Positioning, Brand Positioning is the activity of intentionally placing the perception of your business in the minds of your target customers and your competition. Note the word activity. Remember I said marketing is a tactical quantity-based activity? Brand positioning links branding with marketing. Your business will not fully work or reach its potential if you do one without the other. There's a reason why Auntie Betty brand positioning, much like her best friend Uncle Bernie brand strategy, are the fun family members you gravitate towards at family events. Given this, it's fair to say that branding is a strategic, quality-based activity. Branding addresses how a company strategically positions the impression a company and its products place in the mind of the customer. How you position your brand ties into how you actively market your product. Hold it right there! Wow, so many family members, I'm having a hard time keeping them all straight. Let's get back to where we started. Product versus brand and marketing. So question then, don't you have to have a quality product to market? Well, define quality. It's a perception that exists in the mind of the customer. As such, that's branding. Well, mostly. It's really about value add. 
Suffice to say, if your product lacks quality or a perception of quality based on what's important to your target customer, then your brand is worthless. And yes, as I keep saying, a service can be considered a product. Consider the effect on a company brand when a customer arrives to a sticky, dirty table in a chain coffee shop at store opening. The coffee and current shift service may be great, but the staff members who omitted to follow cleaning service protocol at store close in the prior evening, well, they've just not only killed the brand in the customer's eyes, but also devalued the otherwise great service provided by the current shift. And that is a true story. That happened to me in a chain coffee store just this week. Here's a different kind of example. One where products of similar quality are presented for customer choice, yet brand messaging determines which product the customer purchases. Your dentist advises you to use a mouthwash daily, right? The dentist recommends you use the purple one. At the store, you're evaluating the branded product for $8 or the store label version for $3. Both have identical ingredients. And thank you, consumer labeling laws, for helping us realize that. So which product do you buy? They're both purple in color. Do you pick the one with a fancy brand label? Or do you pick the store generic label version at almost one-third the price? They both come in the exact same shaped plastic container. Your muscle memory hints at the flashy TV and media placement for the fancy label brand. You remember seeing a sample of the same brand in your free take-home bag from the dentist. And you know, the one that's still sitting cooking in your car glove box from the last dental appointment. You buy the fancy label brand rationalizing that you made the purchase decision, not the fancy label brand marketing team and your dentist. Yay for you. You paid more for the same product. You think you purchased mouthwash, a decidedly unglamorous everyday product. What you really paid the $5 price differential for was an entire brand promise strategically positioned favorably in your mind by creative marketing and branding people. Marketing got the product to the store, on TV, in the dentist office. Branding got the product over the finish line ahead of the generic store label product. So in the example of mouthwash, what's the value add that Brandon brings over product to get you to buy the fancy label brand over the generic store brand for an extra $5 a bottle? You just can't pull the trigger on that $3 generic label, can you? There must be something to the recommendation from your dentist. Something to those fancy claims on TV. Some kind of meaningful promise of value add beyond price. Here's another example. Bleach, sold under the brand name of Clorox or generic store labels. Bleach is regulated by the federal government with full disclosure of ingredients required on the label. There are only two ingredients in bleach. It's 6% sodium hypochlorite and 94% water. Why then, if all bleach brands are identical, does the Clorox brand outsell all the other brands of bleach combined? Naturally, conversations around price and strategy are a whole different ballgame. <laughs> and let's add another metaphor on the campfire, shall we? Think back to my earlier example of butter. For butter to rise above a commodity product in the mind of the consumer, for the consumer to differentiate between various butter products, other than purely a decision based on price, 
The consumer must perceive a value add of one manufacturer's butter product over another. Gee, just like mouthwash. This, my friends, is branding. Here's an equation I got from marketing textbooks. Product value equals benefit minus price. If you remove the benefit to the end consumer from this equation, then the value of a product to the consumer is dependent on price alone. Ergo commodity, ergo product, not a brand. The real magic happens when product and brand work together with one common goal in mind, the end consumer's purchase decision. Wow, Pauly Products and Billy the Kid brands really can work together. They need each other. Aw, let's hug. No? Weird when we're on horseback? How exactly does this apply to the vacation rental industry? Now we understand the difference between a product and a brand, marketing and branding, and positioning as the very important link between marketing and branding, let's apply this to the vacation rental industry. We hear lots of talk of marketing vacation rentals, but we don't hear much discussion or get practical help on branding vacation rental businesses so that the vacation rental product rises above a commodity product in the mind of the end consumer, the guest. When a guest checks into a property, they may well have booked the property anonymously through an OTA or booking channel. But someone, something, a company, needs to get the property product with all of its features ready for guest use. That, my friends, is value-add. Point of purchase of travel products such as lodging, however, really coincides with point of use. Given that complexity of time lag, what props up the customer between purchase and consumption? It's the brand promise. Customers have bought not just a product, they've also bought into a host of promises that buoy up their purchase decision. Yes, packaging or presentation to the consumer can be considered part of branding, since physical elements go into the building of a brand, but the brand itself is a construct, not a thing. The construct appears in the mind of the customer. The construct is the brand promise. The brand promise is the value-add messaging the supplier has placed in the mind of the customer, intentionally or otherwise. If we leave it to the guest to figure out the value-add of choosing one booking service over another, one property product over another, then we have no brand since the guest is doing the legwork for us. As I imply, a major component of brand is in the positioning, how the brand appears to the customer. This can be crafted using careful messaging through a brand strategy. It can be lost if the customer, the guest, if their experience of the products and services that lie within the brand do not match the claim on the packaging or the promise offered up by the brand. What in blue blazes is going on? So what's all this talking in circles about? If we agree that the vacation rental property is the product, how do we as vacation rental managers, operators, well, how do we connect the product with the end consumer, the paying guest? I hear your voice carrying over the trail winds from back there. I already do that, Andy. I have my website to do that. Great. Do you consider your booking website a marketing channel? What does your website say about your brand? Hang tight because we're going to return to direct booking websites in episode 10. As vacation home operators, we have products, our properties. Our value-add services are also considered products. 
housekeeping, laundry, guest communications, trash services, maintenance, emergency after-hours support. All of these are value-add services. If, like our Clorox example, two companies provide an identical product, as in two operators manage an identical oceanfront condos in the same building, in our industry, meaning, how do these companies differentiate to direct customers to choose one company product over another? That, Pioneers, is where our friend Billy the Kid Brands comes in. As we discussed, however, Billy the Kid Brands cannot work alone. Poorly Products needs to pony up with product design. In the real world, product designers such as our friend Poorly Products, do they work alone in a bubble? Then just hand over a product to manufacturing, marketing, sales, and distribution? A big heck no on that one. Billy the Kid Brands needs to coordinate with all stakeholders, including Poorly Products, to ensure that product design and the engine of company sales and distribution is working in sync with customer needs and additionally positioned to resolve a problem, the customer problem, in a manner unique to the company. We're going to return to brand strategy and how it works with all aspects for companies' operations in future episodes. Sadly to guests, it often feels that the operator has just taken a raw product, the property, has given to them from the owner-investor and just thrown it up on an OTA, a channel manager, or a book direct website without any consideration for customer needs and use. This latter point gets to the heart of the difference between a product and a brand. If poorly products should not be working in a bubble without input and feedback from Billy the Kid Brands, why then do we as vacation rental operators just talk to the property owner about their needs and the design of their property product Yours, if, if you're the property owner. Why are we not including the end consumer's needs, the guest, in the product design process? Failing to include the guest needs in the vacation rental product design is today's villain. <laughs> A product or service fails when it does not do what it claims on the packaging. In commonly accepted terms, the product service is not fit for the purpose for which it was purchased. That will kill a brand. And just as we're starting to like Billy the Kid brands, he's in danger of getting knocked out in a showdown that we can avoid. When I visit a property for the first time on a listing appointment, I'm looking for the cake in a jumble of ingredients. I may notice, for example, that in a four-bedroom single-family property, three of the four bedrooms have bunk beds. I, as the operator, the connector, the manager, the marketer that links the owner of the product with the end consumer, the guest, I'd be doing the owner and the guest a disservice if I did not make some recommendations on bed furniture options. Unless, that is, the owner or operator wants to niche down and focus on single families with multiple small children. How many times has the property owner, again you if you are the property owner, well how many times have they replied or thought, I use this property and I have loads of kids. I like the property this way. Nope, not going to change it for guests. Newsflash, 
guests want to stay in a vacation home. They don't want to feel like they're staying in your home. What about company-level brands versus a brand associated with a specific product? Are corporate brands the same thing as product brands? Well, yeah. I think the difference is just a matter of scale. At the highest level, the brand of an entire industry may live or die based on an association with another brand. Similarly, the brand of a company may affect the perception of one or two of the brands that run under a company banner. I'll return to this topic in episode four when we talk in more depth about the role of the OTAs and channel managers in our brand strategy. The hotel industry is an impressive example of the point that I'm making here. Major hotel chains have been able to vertically integrate multiple brands at varying price points under an umbrella company brand. The umbrella brand lives or dies by the association with the branded products within the overall company brand. Consider how a guest may experience the Marriott brand, whether staying at a lower price point residence inn and then working their way up through price points of Courtyard by Marriott to the high-end JW Marriott, or even the very uniquely positioned Ian Schrager Marriott partnership with the Edition Hotel brand. Now we're getting there. When we talk about standards, we're getting close to linking products and brands. I think this link is strategy and brand promise. What commitments are we making to our customers? How do we ensure that the product is fit for the purpose for which it was purchased? How do we position value add to the customer for similar products? I will return to the topic of brand standards in episode 9 when we cover my revenue by design system of revenue strategy. Are you ready for a real life example of this from the Delaware Beach Resorts? Ready, set, go! It is common at the Delaware Beaches for property owners to list their vacation rental properties with multiple management companies. I bucked convention and did not allow this practice in my own management company. Why was this? Well, I had two reasons. Firstly, if we're getting the job done, why is there a need to list with additional management companies? And secondly, brand bleed. Companies very rarely communicate with each other at the level of complexity required to provide a seamless, consistent product and service to the end consumer. Company A might be adding additional housekeeping services such as bed making and commercial hotel linens, while Company B may require the guests to bring their own linens, make it strip their own beds. Company A property calendar is unlikely to be shared with Company B, raising the potential for double bookings and a disappointing guest experience. My point with this example is that if a property owner client feels the need to list their property with more than one management company, then chances are one or both of these companies are not doing a great job of connecting their product and services with their brand messaging. The strategy is off or missing. Also consider the guest experience in this scenario. Confused customers do not make repeat customers. Neither do customers who've experienced inconsistent quality standards. I want to tell you a story before we wrap up. Not easy when we're riding on the trails, so do your best to stay with me here. It's fall 2021. We've just wrapped up another record-breaking demand and revenue summer season in beach vacation provisioning at my company, Sea Change Vacation Rentals, in the heart of the Delaware Beach Resorts. 
everybody is exhausted. It's been a particularly trying season again because of the continuance of COVID and also based on how hot the real estate market has been with plenty of new owners coming into our management program. So everybody's exhausted. Property owners are delighted. My phone rings. It's a new owner of a property that had been in our management program since the outset and was a predictably high-ticket earner. One of our most popular properties, in fact. The property had changed ownership the prior spring. I had persuaded the new owner to stay with us and at our new higher management fee that we were introducing with new owners to our program. When the phone rings, I see from caller ID who's on the line. Ah, no biggie, I thought. I'd spoken with these owners and they were as happy as everybody else was that year. But this phone call was going to spark a different conversation. Let's listen in on the call. Andy, we're thinking of making some changes at the house and wanted to get your opinion. I loved it when owners did this. Partners in the same purpose together. Also, as Tom Jones made it perfectly clear, it's not unusual for new owners of a property to want to put their stamp on it. This was, after all, a second home for these owners, not purely an investment property. It was my job to coach the owner on where to draw the line regarding personalizing a property being used for vacation rental purposes. These owners were very focused on revenue, which makes the path of this story a little perplexing. But now, well, people, emotions, I get it. So most of the changes that the new owners wanted to make, I agreed with. They were minor guest-focused enhancements to an already popular property. The one thing that gave me indigestion, however, was their plan to decorate a bedroom on the second floor that had always been staged and used as a kid's room. Instead of two twin beds in this room, they wanted to swap out the beds. Great, I thought. The room is large enough to fit two full beds, possibly two queens at a push. I'm not a fan of twin beds unless the property has a high number of bedrooms with other more adult-friendly bed options. However, given that these were second-home property owners, you have to accommodate the owner needs up to a point. But when that point interferes with the guest experience, then you know where that story goes by now. What bed types do you think my new owners wanted to swap out the twins for? Bunk beds. Ugh, that frustrates me! If you've ever Googled me or read through my blog on the Stay Attention website, one of the things that I'm known for is my extreme hatred for bunk beds in public lodging. No. Just no. A hard no, in fact. Not only did my owner want to put bunk beds in, but they wanted to put two sets of twin over full armored tank style bunk bed designs with built-in steps and storage. Remember I said this was a second floor bedroom? Also, there was a functioning ceiling fan in this room. As if this was not enough to push me over the edge, the owner sent me a paint chip. They were going to refresh the room decor while emptied of furniture. Just the one room. The prior owners had impeccable taste and had kept current with maintenance. The home had always been an easy one to photograph. 
the paint chip they sent me, it was tropical lime green. Oh, oh. Another of my platforms is an opinion I have on beach decor, specifically decor choices when an owner opens their home to paying guests. In our mid-Atlantic beach towns, I observed, well, an odd phenomenon when I was out on listing appointments. Now, if you don't believe me on my next point, Google vacation rentals in any mid-Atlantic beach town and look at the photographs. You'll easily spot what I'm going on about here. The odd pattern that bothered me? Why do so many owners of beach homes in the mid-Atlantic region opt for wall colors that would be more at home in the Caribbean or other tropical areas? And it's not just the high color tones. It's much worse than that. It's pastels also. Lime, green, blue, yellow, peach, orange, pink. Something that would look great in a more southerly tropical locale is glaringly out of place and notoriously difficult to photograph in mid-Atlantic coastal towns where one look out of a window at the natural landscape would provide necessary context to prove my point. Let's get off the phone. This needs a meeting, I wisely thought. So we met, the new owners and I, not strangers at this point. We've weathered a busy, productive summer together. I diplomatically yet strongly advised against their plans for this bedroom. No need to paint. Yes, do swap the old twin beds. I'll measure the room, but I think the best option is two full beds. Much more flexible than two twins. The owners had the home blocked for personal use that winter, and we didn't connect until they were near in the end of their winter stay, and the home was due to be handed back to us in the late winter time frame for our spring ramp-up. So fast forward then to late winter, and my phone rings. Andy, we finished the bedroom. Can you book your photographer to come on over and shoot the renovated bedroom? Can you guess what we walked into, my photographer and I? Yep, you got it. Lime green walls and two armored tank-sized twin overfull bunk beds crammed into a second-floor bedroom under a functioning ceiling fan next to second-floor windows. My mind is already racing to having to make these beds. Housekeeping will kill me, I thought. We made the best of it that we could this close to our main reservation season picking up. I got an electrician in to disable the ceiling fan and we took new photographs. Then we got to work with a second summer of record demand. Except this property's demand nosedived. I had to work every tool in my revenue management workbook to get this property to book that summer. Guests that did stay that year all commented favorably on the minor guest-facing enhancements to the property. The new bedroom did not favor so well in feedback, however. When I look back at this later that year, I wondered if it really was as simple as one lime green bunk bed crammed room 
that made the difference to a previously strong performing property? Yes. The prior owners had been quite resistant to my guidance on revenue management. They had dragged their feet on rate changes, blocked chunks of owner use, then released those blocks at the last minute, causing price reductions and risking lost bookings. I'd radically changed my approach to owner approval and involvement in rate pricing due to this. The new owners of the property were easy to work with regarding revenue guidance. They got out of the way and we did our thing. The only discernible difference in the property in another record-breaking summer of high demand and rate pricing was this one lime green bedroom. The lesson to be learned from this story? There's a reason it's so hard to put the lime in the coconut. Trust me on this. I'm a limey. And that is our cue to wrap up another episode of How the Guest Was Won, Tales from the Trails for Vacation Rental Pioneers. What did we learn on our trail ride today, and what questions have we raised for further discussion? Firstly, we spent time with those lovable adversaries, Paulie Products and Billy the Kid brands. We learned the difference between a product and a brand, a commodity product, and an assembled end product. We explained the difference between marketing and branding. We did all this using butter and mouthwash as examples. Then, when I made the connection between product and brand, I used a low-hanging fruit type example regarding bedroom furniture in a vacation home that the property owner also uses in addition to guests. I did this to make a wider point. When I'm positioning my value add as a management company to the owner, I would be remiss if I did not help the owner to see the property from the perspective of potential guests. I maintain that's my value add to the property owner, but it's also my value add to the guest. That's my brand. I can tell you from personal experience when I stopped considering that I had to fight to match two sets of client goals and instead look to a common purpose to unite their goals under, Well, that was the moment that my brand strategy came into being. I talked about this in the last episode, episode two. Go back and listen to that episode with the lens of this discussion now. When I chose to align the end consumer, the guest, when I chose to align their needs in advising the property owner on the property product offering, another light bulb went off for me. It's not the property product that the guest is connected with. It's the brand promise. The guest does not care about the property. It's a quality vacation and travel experience they value. And therein lies the quote that I referred to from Professor Theodore Levitt. People don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill. They want a quarter-inch hole. And I referred to that way back in episode one. Our jobs as vacation home operators is to connect with the needs of the guest and not only ensure that their needs are reflected in the property product offerings we represent, but also ensure that our value add in terms of support services and a strategically positioned brand promise does what it says on the box. 
in choosing to have property product and brand connected with and aligned to the needs of the end consumer, the guest, there are some hard decisions to be made. You will not be able to please everyone. And since that's impossible to begin with, why try? And this leads us to strategic positioning as the link between product, marketing, and branding. And then lastly, we agreed that we need to revisit the complicated concept of brand strategy. And that's okay. This entire podcast explores this concept through different topics. We will revisit brand strategy over and over. So let's revisit questions one and two that I introduced at the outset of our ride. Vacation rental operators. Number one, do you have a vacation rental product or do you have a vacation rental brand? Well, do you? It's your call. Do you know the difference between a product and a brand? A product is something someone buys for consumption. Brand is the thing customers buy for experience. Accommodation is a product. I need somewhere to stay. Branding is the process of increasing the product value over its base value as a commodity. And then number two, what are you doing to market your vacation rental company and how does that affect your vacation rental brand? We'll hold that thought on this one. I'm going to give you a pass on this until we explore brand strategy in greater depth. For now, keep a tight hold on this clue, strategy. Consider this concept as we head up future discussions. Do you know the difference between marketing and branding? Marketing is about the tactical techniques or activities used in maximizing the amount of product that reaches as many customers' hands as possible. Branding is the perception of your value add in the customer's mind. And again, strategic positioning is the intentional, purposeful method of placing the perception of your brand in your customer's mind. It links your product and marketing activities with your brand. In closing, I'd like to return to the product value equation that I covered earlier in the episode. Product value equals benefit minus price. Remember that we discussed if you remove the benefit to the end consumer from this equation, then the value of a product to the consumer is dependent on price alone. Ergo commodity, ergo product, not a brand. Contemplate the following for your own vacation rental businesses. What is the product that you supply? Who is your customer, the end user of your product? What is the value add that you provide your customer with over comparable products provided by competitors? How will you strategically position your product and your company in the mind of your customer? How do you get them to buy your brand of butter or mouthwash? Up next, episode four is called Navigating the Chessboard and the Mates We Love to Hate, using OTAs and channel managers in your game strategy. We're getting further into product versus positioning and being strategic on where you market. We'll chat about one of the most controversial aspects of operating a vacation rental business, the role of OTAs and channel managers in our marketing strategy. That is the sound of another day on the trails coming to an end. This was a longer episode today, but an important one to the theme of our podcast. 
Thank you for hanging in there with me. I always like to close with a pun in case we got a little too serious with our conversation. So, sun's out, pun's out, here we go. Question. Why did the marketer dump their boyfriend? Answer. Lack of engagement. Until next time, happy trails. If your brand resonates with this podcast and you would like to sponsor this podcast, please get in touch with me through our website, stayattention.com forward slash podcast. If you have an episode topic or a story just bursting to be told, also get in touch with me through our website, stayattention.com forward slash podcast.